Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living. I send my Farmington Hills visitors and online viewers. We welcome you and hope you enjoy the service today. I'm Jody Manastro, the platform assistant, and I'll be sharing the announcements and upcoming events with you. If you are a first-time visitor, the usher will have a welcome packet for you as you leave the sanctuary. Please join us after service in the social hall. Enjoy refreshments and treats prepared with love by our wonderful hospitality team. Enjoy conversation with one another and wish Carl a happy birthday. If you feel led to support the hospitality team by bringing in refreshments or treats, please see Mary Garibay. Mary, raise your hand. 
Also, a basket is on the counter for love offerings. Please join us for the launching of our health and wellness ministry today from 1130 to 1230 in the social hall. This ministry will provide fundamental resources to assist with the prevention of disease while promoting a healthy, loving church community. For more information, see Lynette Kelly. Making Whitestone Vision Boards has been rescheduled to next Sunday, February 4th at 1130 until 1230 in room 2 and hosted by the Veterans Peer Support Group, facilitated by Reverend Kelly. Let's visualize our hopes and dreams for 2024, and everyone is welcome. On Sunday, February 11th at 1130 until 115, we will celebrate and honor our volunteers with a volunteer appreciation luncheon and another fun day at the theater at 2 p.m. For those interested in attending the play, please see Lois Jones after service and reserve seats for the play, Lend Me a Tenor. Deadline for ordering tickets is today. Tickets are $20 and must be paid for today or responsible for if ordered. For diehard football fans, the play will be over by 4 p.m. You will be home in time for Super Bowl festivities. Please renew your annual membership ASAP to vote on the 2024 budget at our annual meeting that takes place on Sunday, February 18th at 1130. To renew or become a new member, go to unityfh.com, click on About Us, and fill out the 2024 annual membership form, and then just click Submit. Eileen Lindbergh is our prayer chaplain today and will be available to pray with you after service near the patio doors. All others are asked to exit immediately after service to allow a quiet space for prayer. To stay abreast of all our activities, upcoming events, please visit unityfh.com, check out our Facebook page, or read through the newsletter that is emailed every Friday. And now, let us prepare for the daily word and our opening prayers as the music team sings, Surely the Presence. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel God's mighty power and God's grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see Welcome to this beautiful day that the lions are going to be playing. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm praying that the Lord is in the place <laughs> where they're playing football. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was telling Lois, you don't want to see me when I'm watching football. <laughs> We're going to um, go ahead and go into the reading of our daily word. So I invite you, if you feel led, to gently close your eyes, or you can go ahead and read along. Sunday, January 28, 2024. Our daily word is free. Today we affirm, divine wisdom, love, and strength guide me to freedom. And our message reads, 
while I may be may know while I may not be able to control what is happening around me, I have the power to choose my response. Even though it may seem paradoxical, assuming complete responsibility for my reactions and choices is the key to my freedom. No one and nothing can make me feel a certain way. I'm going to repeat that. No one and nothing can make me feel a certain way. Living from the awareness gives me, gives me the power to create my life from the inside out. I choose my thoughts, words, and actions. If I don't like what my life is showing me, I have the power to make new choices. I do not squander my spiritual freedom. Other people and worldly situations have no control over me. Taking full responsibility for my life, I am free to create my future by living for my divinity. Our Bible verse for today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Let us pray. So bringing our eyes closed, I invite you to take a deep, gentle breath. Bring your attention down to the center of your chest. And just allow yourself to feel love in that space. We call this the heart center. And as we tune into this space within, we know we are tuning into that one power, that one presence, that one activity that is active in our lives and in the universe, the only power, presence, act activity active in our lives and in the universe. God the good, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. And God, we thank you for bringing us here today safely. We thank you for waking us up to enjoy this day together. We thank you for being here together and those who are even watching and a part of this ser service virtually. We open ourselves up to surrender, releasing everything that, everything that concerns us and every person that concerns us. And as we do that, we know you are doing your holy work, whether we can see it or not. In this moment, we affirm that our human is decreasing to make us coachable and willing to receive your word, to understand it deeply, and to follow your guidance into becoming the manifestation of it, demonstration of it, allowing it to become living and alive in our lives. And as we just sit just for a little bit, relaxing our bodies, opening our hearts and minds. We allow you to move. Move within us. Revitalize us and open us up even greater, even more and even deeper. We thank you, God, for your mighty gift of love that loves us no matter what, that teaches us how to love you 
ourselves, and others. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of Christ within, we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. And now let us affirm our statement of being together. God is all, oh, it's not up there, both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. Say that two more times. I am an individualized expression of God. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And now let's go ahead and affirm our U of H growth affirmation. With some gusto, knowing that it is working together, we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuary, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, lately uh, I've been drawn to uh, songs by Zach Williams. Uh, he is uh, more like a country kind of Christian artist, but uh, a lot of power in a lot of the stuff that he does. I'm going to be doing more of these types of songs uh, because I'm really drawn to his message, and there's a lot of power. This song's about freedom. It's about faith. It's about testifying. There's a, little, a lot of church in this song, but, uh, but it's a lot of fun, too. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies And if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you've got pain He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or save him, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We all search for the light of day in the dead of find ourselves worn out by the same old fight and we've all run the things that just ain't right but there's a better life there's a better life if you got Chains, he's a chain breaker. 
believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify Wow, I like that song. Let's give them another hand. Who, who's the person? Did you say Zachary? Zach Williams. All right, Mr. Zach. <clears throat> Zach Attack. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> Doris, you're just so tickled, aren't you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, so... We have been diving into the book of Revelation, and it's not Revelations with an S at the end, it's Revelation. <clears throat> A lot of people add an S, but it's not an S at the end in it. And the, the book is broken up in different segments. You got the introduction, and then you have the prologue, and then you have the vision of Christ, which was the vision that G John saw of Jesus. And then the way that John described Jesus in that vision, he used when he wrote the letters to the seven churches. And that was the next section that we just finished in chapters two and three of Revelation. Today, we're going to go into Revelation four, and we're going to start going into that apocalyptic Im imagery um, and kind of devastation that is shown, that is kind of described in Revelation, but really it is a, uh, how do I want to say it, figure of speech the way it's written. Like, for instance, if I were to say, well, I'm going to go to the Golden Arches to eat, where would that be? McDonald's, right? Um, if you were to see in a political, um, uh, on a, in a political place a donkey and an elephant, you know what that represents, right? Well, as we read through this, I want you to remember that during that time, the imagery and the numbers and everything that we're reading, they knew what it meant. And it was written in that way specifically so that a message would be given to the Christians, the early Christians of antiquity, so that they can get encouraged, they can be reinforced, they can be strengthened to live in faith, even though they were under the rule of the Roman emperor. Um, at this point is Emperor Domitian. And so, they, so Jesus has... John 
writing the letters a certain way, in a way they'd understand. And as we read the rest of this uh, chapter, the chapters in Revelation, you're going to see beasts and um, you're going to see demons, you're going to see devastation, you're going to see all of this stuff, but there's a specific way that is written that they understood what it meant. Kind of like the Negro spirituals. When we would sing it on the plantations, um, white people would think, the plantation owners would think that we're just singing to each other, but we're giving e- we were giving each other messages. Do you understand? Do you get that? Well, this is the same way. It's a kind of speaking in a way that, um, that the people who are reading the letters, who are in the Roman emperor, or who were the Jews who were persecuting the people following the Christians, so they wouldn't really understand it. It reminds me, <laughs> when I was younger, and especially when I was in high school, my sister and I used to speak Pig Latin, and not a lot of people understood what we were saying. So we'd be just, you know, saying it, and sometimes we'd be talking about people. Um, sometimes we would just do it just to see people, like, what are they talking, what are they saying, you know? But we understood what we were saying, the others didn't understand it. This is similar to that, I would say. It's similar to that. So, what I'm going to do... <clears throat> As I'll read chapter 4, it's entitled Worship in Heaven, and it's coming from the New Living Translation. But there's something that came to me from the book that we're studying called Unity, A Quest for Truth. And it's from Eric Butterworth. Uh, he, he wrote that book. And he said, there is no better way to worship God than to rightly express God. And there's no better, I say, there's no better way to move in a state of rightly expressing God unless you got a right relationship with God. And there's no real way of having a right relationship with God unless you think on God, speak on God, study God, and spend time with God. And then you move into that space where you can draw on that relationship no matter what you're going through. The title of my talk today is The Soul in a higher state of consciousness. Whenever you tune into God, you've tuned into a higher state of consciousness. And the only way to truly worship God is to come from that higher state of consciousness. You have to shift your perception. That's the main piece that's talked about, oh my gosh, the Acre girls are coming here. Ah, I have friends who um, were there. I just got a squirrel moment, you know. Y'all know me. Oh, Back uh, several years ago, I was going through a divorce. I just got to share this, why this means so much to me. I was going through a divorce, and while I was going through a divorce, my girlfriend Michelle, Dr. Michelle Myers, and I were working through that together. And as we finished it and got to that other part, you know, got through that tunnel, we realized that there were spiritual principles that we had used in order to get through it. We helped each other through it. And we called, we, um, called it an acronym, ACRE. And we, we promised that we would be accessible to God, we would communicate with God, we'd have a relationship with God, and we would experience God. And then what we decided to do was to practice it, to test it out with a group of people by teaching it. And uh, Lori and Loretta were part of that class. And I'd already known Loretta. I met Lori through Michelle. Um, But it was um, a powerful experience. And that was over 10 years. I think that was over 10 years ago. And we're still in each other's lives supporting each other. So to have him here today just warms my heart. So I'm just touched by that. Yeah. So So back to Revelation. (laughs) So um, as I was saying, In order to truly shift, in order to truly be in a higher state of consciousness, you have to shift your perspective. 
shift your um, way of thinking. So I'm going to get into this worship in heaven because it's talking actually about shifting your perception. Revelation chapter 4, I'm going to read the first uh, verse and then dive into that, and I'm going to break it up into sections. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. Now, when you go back to chapter 1 of Revelation, you'll see in there in verse 19 where Jesus is, where um, it's being said that you're going you're gonna to share, you're going to write this vision, and it's going to talk about what happened in the past, what's happening now, and what's happening after. And so this is what that's referring to. But in there we also see in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10, we also see where that's the first time that a voice comes like a blast of the trumpet. And Jesus turned, I mean, uh, John turns. John was the last disciple left. He was in his 90s, and he had been exiled on the island of Patmos. He turns, and he sees this vision of Jesus. Now, what that really means is that when you shift your perception in, even when you're in a state, he was in a state of spirit, meaning he was meditating on the spirit of God. And at that moment is where he started seeing that vision. And then as he heard that voice, it shifted him. So you turn. Any turning means or any traveling in the Bible means a shift from perspective, a shift in consciousness. And when he turned, he sees Jesus. And he sees this big vision of Jesus. And then Jesus tells him, write these letters to the, the churches in um, Asia Minor, the seven churches. Now, this is important because the seven churches represent seven phases of consciousness. Seven, and you're going to see these numbers. You're going to see seven. You're going to see 12. You're going to see four. You're going to see all these numbers in Revelation as we keep traveling through. Seven represents coming to fruition, the completion. Remember in um, Genesis, it says that that God rested on the seventh day. God rested from the full creation of the human, of the physical, on the seventh day. But he stepped into and became the hidden activity of it. So the resting is a complete fruition, a complete completeness of the physical part. But there's still the spiritual activity underneath. The divine laws of God, the the principles. You can't see the principles, but you can experience them, you can think on them, and you can demonstrate them in your life. And so in these seven churches, they represent seven phases of consciousness that we have to step into before we can shift into a higher perspective. This part that we're talking about now is where we shift in a higher perspective. But you got to overcome and you got to move into a space where you have first, in these seven churches, you have first moved back into your desire. Ephesus was the first church, represents moving back into your desire. He says to come back to your first love. Coming back to the first time you had that juicy feeling of that experience of God. Then the next letter was to Smyrna. Smyrna represents that spiritual realm that we live in. It's the substance. It's speaking to the substance that you are. And that substance is that spiritual part inside of you. When you're tuned into that, you've got so much power. You can create anything you want, no matter what's going on in your life. And this is powerful because what they were going through was different persecutions. They were being persecuted. They were being killed. They were being tortured. They couldn't even buy or sell in the marketplace, which is how you get your money. And it wasn't just from people outside. Another acre girl. Ah, It wasn't just outside. 
It was within the church that it was happening as well. They're up here. You can come on up here. <laughs> so Smyrna, when you get into your substance within, and it's connected to faith too, the power of your faith. It's connected to faith too, but faith in a spiritual realm. Then we move to Pergamum. Pergamum brings us from our intellectual understanding into our spiritual understanding, moving into spiritual uh, uh, intelligence, the intelligence of the sacred spirit within you. That's when we did our, right, white, our name on our white stone. The Thyatira represents our spiritual faith, coming from faith of things you see, moving into the faith of the things you cannot see. And then we go, and that's a powerful thing too, because you know that even though it doesn't seem like something's going to happen, you have this knowing inside that it already is so. And that when it's time, in God's timing, it will manifest. The next church is Sardis. Sardis represents your dominion and your joy. When you have control and dominion over your mind, you take responsibility and authority over your mind, you begin to master your way of thinking, your way of being, then you can control yourself. There's such a deep sense of joy that no one can take you off your center. And then we went, we talked about Philadelphia. Philadelphia represents that brotherhood love. Total acceptance love. Some people say unconditional love. I say total acceptance love. And the last church, which we studied last week, the last letter to the church was the church to Laodicea. And that was moving our judgment, judging our life based on our self-sufficiency into being a state of discernment from God's sufficiency. Once you've come to mastering all seven of those aspects of your consciousness, then you step into the, con you're ready to move into the consciousness of heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Is that making sense? So you see the flow? Okay. So as he's looking, as he's finishing up these letters that he's written to all these seven churches, it says he sees an open door in chapter, in verse one. He sees an open door to heaven. And that's when the voice says, there's a, a voice that's like a trumpet Come, in, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. I'm listening. Really, I'm feeling and moving into a state of clarity on what it is God's giving me. That open door represents the, the open invitation to always move into the spiritual realm, to always move into the kingdom of God, all you got to do is go inside, shut out. You can be in the busiest world, the busiest situation, the busiest things going on. And if you just close your eyes, quiet yourself down, you are being invited to come inside and be in the presence of God. The moment you come inside to the kingdom of God, you begin to experience the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is our experience of the kingdom of God. And it's not kingdom of heaven with a just single. That is, is, was intended to be plural because we all move into different levels of spiritual maturity. And based off your different levels of spiritual maturity is your different levels of God. And through those different levels of God is the different levels of heaven. Depends on how long you've been doing it. You may go get in there deeper and faster and be able to experience it more strongly than you're in that level of heaven. This voice that's talking hasn't stopped talking 2,000 years or more than 2,000 years ago. It's the Holy Spirit. That still small voice inside of all of us 
calling us in to come and find out what's going to happen next. I don't know about you, but I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know the joy, the love that God has waiting for me. I want to know how to get there. I want to know how to shift out of this human realm and shift my perspective into the spiritual realm and come from a higher state of consciousness that I may truly worship God by coming into right expression of God. Amen? Amen. <laughs> You're fine. I'm glad you were loud. So now we go into the second part. Once you get caught in, once you follow the voice, it says, verse 2, And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. It goes on to say, the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like Jasper and Cornelian. And the glow of an emerald circle, uh, glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. What does that mean? We're starting to get this imagery here. The one sitting on the throne is two, two things. It represents God. But you can't see God in the level that we are now. We're, 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 we just can't. But we can get the imagery of what, of what the, and from that imagery experience, what God represents. Does that make sense? So that's why it says it's like the uh, gemstones of Jasper and Cornelian. That's why it says that um, there was like a person um, the, the, the one sitting on a stone was as brilliant as that. Because what we pick up on, what God gives us, is the brilliance, the feeling, the experience of it, and then we interpret it on our level of consciousness. And as, as we interpret it, that's where we get our inspiration and our insight and our enlightenment. This is important. Because what this is representing, where you see the light, those gemstones... When, when, they sh when you shine them up to the light, the, all these different facets come through it. Just like the rainbow, the, the light shining through the rainbow causes these colors. Brilliant colors. Represents the brilliance of God. Represents the glory of God. Represents the insight of God. Because light represents insight. But it's deeper than that. It represents what we get when we tune into God's brilliance. Tune into God's light. And tune into what it is that it is the experience and understanding of God on a deeper level. This is all going to connect in a second when I share my story with you. The rainbow is powerful too. Because the rainbow is not just representing the promise that was given to Noah. Remember, the symbol of the rainbow represents the promise that God would never destroy the earth with a big flood. It also represents the covenant and represents the absolute, on a spiritual level, it represents an absolute understanding that God is unchanging. That the absolute of God that is love, that is grace, that is joy, is unchanging. That you can always lean on the brilliance of God in any situation you go through. It will always be there, absolute, and it dwells in you. Does that make sense? So where you got to go to find it then? Okay, I guess it didn't make sense. So it dwells in you. So where you got to go to find it? Inside. Thank you. <laughs> Those of you who know, you can speak loud in that way to wrestle here. Now, we keep going. Verses 4 uh, and 5. 24 thrones surrounded him. 
and 24 elders sat on the throne. They were, were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and a rump, the rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. There's a lot in here. Traditionally, the 24 thrones and the 24 elders represent the people of God. Traditionally, they represent the 12 tribes from the Old Testament and the 12 disciples or apostles in the New Testament. Put them together, that's 24. In apocalyptic literature, which is what this is, it represents the people of God and the white, the white clothing, the white garments, and the crown represents the overcoming, the victory of God. Remember, in, the, in all seven of those books, it says, he who overcomes, he who is victorious, there's always a reward when you overcome or when you're victorious. Well, these, pe these represent those people who were being persecuted, who were being tortured, who were being pressured to embrace and live according to and worship pagan um, principles in the pagan gods. And they still stood in their faith in studying and being the expression of God and Jesus' teachings no matter what. In Laodicea, we, say, we read, Jesus says, uh, in the letter of Laodicea, Jesus says, and this is in, where are you at? 21 of chapter 3. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I, as I was victorious and, as, and sat with my father on his throne. What it means is when you let go and overcome all those facets of your consciousness that are holding you back from being a full expression of God, it can be anything, unworthiness. It could be feeling not good enough. It could be unforgiveness. It could be feeling less than. It could be uh, perfectionism, which I'm overcoming. Any of those facets of your consciousness keep you from being on the glory of God. That just means being an expression and full relationship with the presence of God in you. It means seeing yourself for who you are. But this is deeper to me. Thoughts. I mean, people in the Bible represent thoughts. So when the people, when the, the, you know, they're elders with crowns on their head, meaning they have authority, and they have the white clothes, on, and they also represent faith, the gold crowns represent faith, and they have the white clothing on, which represents the overcoming. For me, because I know that people in the Bible represent thoughts, these, the, and, the, and, and these 24 thrones represent the moments that I shift my thinking from holding on to something and moving forward. For instance, I have come to believe, and I've heard this before, but I'll tell you this week I've really moved into believing it, that there are two, when you have two people experiencing things, or any amount of people experiencing things, there's two perspectives, three perspectives, 20 perspectives, whatever it is. There's those perspectives, and then there's the truth. Because we're all seeing it from our own colored perceptions, which represent the seven churches. And when, those all, when you're stuck in that, holding on to your story and proving your story to the other person, especially when you have an argument or conflict with somebody, and you feel that your way is right, and you're holding on to it from your way of thinking, 
you're blocking yourself from being the truth because your way of thinking is limited and colored by this negative thought, this uh, stories that you're thinking, and your stories are limited. I have come to believe that the best thing for me to do is to let go of my story and step into the truth. What is the truth of it? It's not a story. It's absolute, and it's a truth. Stories can change, right? But the truth is absolute and never changing. If I see it from the truth, I don't got to prove nothing to the other person. If I see it from the truth, what they do is not going to bother me. If I see it from the truth, I don't have to convince that I didn't do anything wrong. If I see it from the truth, they can say whatever they want, and it will not shake me off my center. That's those 12 thrones centered around the consciousness of that one that is sitting on the, on the big throne, consciousness of God. And I have had that experience this week. I've had the experience of a good friend of mine just going off. And I'm saying in my mind, I ain't do anything wrong. And for a little bit, I was sitting in my corner, sitting in my center and stepping in truth. I'm making sure my... And something was said, and because of the story going through my mind, I had to prove it. I had to say, no, that's not right, when I could have just stayed in my center. And all through that time, as I was reading in the, the, the text messages, the emails, and all, I'm shaking. I'm angry. What the, what, 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 what? Y'all can fill in the blanks. I'm so angry, I'm shaking. But I realize that the more I let go of me and my story trying to prove it, I'm stepping into my own authority. Like the, the, the uh, daily word today, realizing no one can take me off my center unless I let them. And so I'm spending my time staying in the truth, staying in the truth, staying in the truth. Now, I may, I may not have done it completely, but I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to give up releasing my truth because it's caught up in the worldly and stepping into the perspective of spirit. Does that make sense? And even if it gets to the point where the relationship is severed, in any experience like that, I'll be okay because I'm rooted in truth. And truth is rooted in peace. And truth is rooted in joy. And truth is rooted in blessing. And truth is rooted in praying. And truth is rooted in just sitting in the space with God no matter what. Amen? Amen. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So, it goes on to say that there, there's lightning flashes come from the flashes of lightning and a rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. And like I said, this is a seven-fold spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. We got to get this. We got to get this, get this, get this. In the Old Testament, when Moses went to see God, he didn't really see God. He saw the, 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 what we just were talking about, the brilliance of God. Because if you look at God, you, you ain't, you're not strong enough. Not, not only are your arms too short to box with God, <laughs> your eyes are too weak to see God. So, there, so God uses levels of spiritual expression to get to us. And inside of you is the experience of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit 
It's to offer spiritual interpretation. It's to offer spiritual understanding. It's to offer spiritual strength. It's to go through every single one of those 12 spiritual powers, your faith, your strength, your wisdom, your love, your power, your imagination, your understanding, your will, your freedom to choose, your divine order, your zeal, your power to eliminate those things that no longer serve you, and then your life source itself. You have the power to spiritualize that, but it has to happen through the spiritual presence of the Holy Spirit in you. And once you tune into that, you move to a higher level. So these throne, these flames that are in front of that throne represent the Holy Spirit in our stead, standing there ready to interpret for us, standing there ready to strengthen you when you let go, standing there ready to pray for you, pray with you, and be the expression of that power when you pray for others. And I'm going to tell you something that's my biggest promise that caused an issue this weekend, this week. I will not pray if I know I'm not tuned into God. If my feelings are hurt and I'm all up in my feelings, I'm not going to pray for you. Because that's the human praying for you from the hurt vibration. I will allow the Holy Spirit to clear me and purify me first and then use the words from the Holy Spirit to pray for you. So if I'm there and I know you need help, I'll ask the Holy Spirit in you to do His heavenly work. And then when I get, if I'm not aligned, and when I get realigned, then I will call and pray. That's my commitment. And as a prayer chaplain, Eileen, you know, you, we know this. We were told that, that even if we have a job to do prayer, praying and we don't feel it, we will tag team and say, can you pray for me? Because I'm just not there. Because that is how sacred. I asked and wanted to create a prayer ministry for a reason because I wanted the presence of God to be up in this place. And I'm serious about that. I don't care who tries to take me off that center. It will not happen. If I'm not in a space to pray, I will let someone else pray for you. And if, it, if it's dealing with confidence, I will just sit and know God has you. I put you in God's hands. And when I'm ready and I'm there, I will revisit it and come and pray. But you, I can't do nothing with you in my human realm except bring you down more. That's not going to happen on my watch. I promise you that. That's not going to happen on my watch. I will call you when I'm in a sacred space of God. I promise you that. I promise you from the deepness of my heart and the sacred Holy Spirit in me, I promise you that. That is my oath. That is my oath. And saying... Give me a little bit of time. I'll get there. It's my prerogative. That's my right to say. You all too. If you don't feel led to be there in a way that a person needs you to be there and you can't be there, please follow Spirit and let the Holy Spirit get you in that place and then go and present yourself to God. And then when you present yourself to God, then you present yourself to the person. Because then you're not carrying the person down, you're carrying the person up. You have to move into a higher perspective. Let your soul, your thinking, and your feeling be aligned in a higher perspective before you can let the Holy Spirit work in you. You have choice. You have choice. I choose God first. God, move me out of my way so I can move into your way and I can pray from that perspective for you. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't know who else that was for, but that was my story. Let me keep going. It says, so the sevenfold spirit that we were talking about here 
represents the Holy Spirit. Then it said that the front, in front of the throne was a shiny glass, a sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. Now, this is deep because sea, when you look at the word sea, and when you see the seas in the Bible in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament for that matter, because they were on some kind of water or something when um, Jesus walked, when Jesus walked to them on the boat and Peter walked out to him, that was a stormy. Normally it's stormy and it needs to be, uh, it needs to be aligned and it needs to be quieted down. Jesus said, peace, be still to the waters. But here it says that it is shiny. Uh, It is a shiny sea of glass sparkling like the crystal. What that represents is the divine order of God taking place in your life. That your emotions are aligned with spirit. And you are clear on what you're going to hear. That you are in tune and the Holy Spirit has aligned you. And that emotion inside of you of the water, the sea, is clear and peaceful. That's what it represents. That no matter what you're going through, you're at a state of peace. Does that make sense? I'm almost done. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. We're about to get into that way of thinking. I mean, that way, the apocalyptic imagery. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was like a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these Living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they kept saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, always was, who is, and who is still to come. What do these beings mean? Back in that day, in antiquity, they had, a certain, they had certain categories for animals. It was the wild beast, the domesticated beast. The wild beasts here are the lions. The domesticated animals were the oxen. They used them to plow the, their um, gardens and stuff. And then it was humans, and then it was eagles. Now, what does that represent on a spiritual level, though? The wild beast represents your physical expression. That part of you that can be animalistic and be in fight-or-flight mode, that wants to stand your ground and hold your ground no matter what, it's the ego part of you. When you go up higher, the oxen, the domesticated animal, represents the subtle parts of you that feel, the inside of you, your subconscious realm. The human part of you represents your intellectual way of thinking, what you're feeling from that um, domesticated energy. That, the, that's your emotions, is the domesticated. The two aligned represent your soul, actually, coming from your soul experience. So when your thinking and your feeling are aligned together, especially in the consciousness of spirit, your soul is married to God. The Bible talks about you and the church being the bride and Jesus or God being the groom. Well, that is when your, your thinking and your feeling are aligned. When your thinking and your feeling are aligned with God, then what happens is you shift to a higher perspective, a higher perspective, which represents the ego. Eagles fly high, way up high, and they can see, and they have these laser eyes where they can swoop down. 
Matter of fact, in order to, when a snake comes at them, they take the snake up, way up, and, sh- and, and, and when it goes up high, it gets disoriented, and they drop it. So the ego is the higher expression of yourself that you get to when you align the other parts. Those are facets of you, of me. Does that make sense? And we're here to align those parts of ourselves by going inside of God, going inside of ourselves, going inside of that space. And the moment we do, we've shifted our consciousness to a higher perspective. Your soul now is living from a higher state of consciousness. We're meant to do that. Keep, I'm going to keep going. I'm almost done. Whenever the living beings say, uh, begin, uh, whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord my God, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. Now, we already said what those 24 thrones represent. And Jesus said that when you overcome, you will have the crown and you will have the gar- garments, that you will, be, you will be on the throne with God. But those kings, 24 kings, which we represent when we overcome, every time the beasts are singing glory, glory, holy, holy, holy to God, they're bowing down and they put their crown before the throne. What that represents is that no matter what is going on in our life, we are always to release our authority to the supreme sovereignty of God's authority. And when you do that, every single thing in your life will shift. You've shifted your perspective. You've shifted your way of thinking. You've shifted your way of uh, feeling. You've shifted your way of speaking. You've shifted your way of acting. And those outside, which is what you have control over, and God in the meantime is, fixing the, is working on the world outside of you. But you let your, take your hands off of it and give it to God. You take your expectations off of it, and you give it to God. One thing that I have realized is that expectations are the breeding ground for disappointment. So if you got these expectations up there, the biggest person who, the biggest being in this world that may not always live up to your expectation is a human being. Even if every time you said jump and they jump, jump and they jump, jump and they jump, there will be a time eventually where they say, you, they say, you say jump and they say no. Now you get disappointed because you have the expectation. Or you put an expectation on God. The only expectation that we know we can put on God is that we have power to choose. And whatever you choose, you will receive. If you choose to live in alignment with God, you will receive it. I say, let's release what we think we have authority over and even turn our free will over to God. I say, let's release what we think we know in this world, and let's ask and go to the throne within yourself and ask God. 
I say, let that relationship in you be the greatest thing. God, Jesus said that greater is he that is within thee than he that is within the world. And if we go based off of what we think we have authority over in our world, then I promise you there'll be some, some form of limitation in there. I say, let go of your expectations of yourself and anyone else because you will be surely disappointed at one point in your life. If we step into total acceptance love, loving from the consciousness of God, and if we see and let go of our story, we've shifted our perception, our perspective. And the moment you do that, you open up the door for the glory of God. You open up the door to step into the heaven of God. And I promise you, when you are touched by God, you can't help but worship in the Holy Spirit. You can't help but worship in heaven because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it ain't you that's doing this thing. It's God that's doing this thing in you. And you have such gratitude in your heart and in your thinking and in your way of being and what you speak that you, what only comes out of your mouth is holy, 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 Lord, you are holy. Amen? let's close our eyes and pray whatever's going on in your life even if your life is fine I promise you it can be greater let's release our attachment to it our expectations of it and anything we think we know about it let's surrender the whole thing to God and take your hands off of your story Let go of your story and ask God for the truth. God, show me the truth together. God, show me the truth. Show me what is mine to do. Show me what is mine to do. And I will let you do what is yours to do. Give me the patience to sit in it. And give me the total trust and total faith to believe in it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Are you ready to shift your perception? Yes. And so am I. Thank you. God bless you. Can we have one more round of applause for what a stirring message today? Breaking down revelation like no other. I didn't even know if that was possible. So you made it, you made it, you made sense. All right, so we're going to take it back to the 60s, the song you guys all know, get the energy back up in the room. What do you say we do it, huh? All right. Five, six, seven, eight. All the world is so easy to see. Every 
You see that train over there? Now that's a train of freedom It's about to arrive any minute now You know it's been long, long overdue So look out, cause it's coming right on through All the world Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, let's give them another hand. Woo! Oh my gosh, I love it, I love it, I love it. That just reminds me that when you let go of your story and look at the truth, the truth will set you what? Free! Woo! Oh, I love it, okay. <laughs> now, um, let's go ahead and go and gently close our eyes and bring ourselves into the freedom of our, our heart center, the prosperity that sits there in our consciousness waiting to be manifested by the holy expression of God in you. And feel free to open yourselves up and ask, what am I feeling led to give as a love offering for today? And let it sink in and let it come. And in your mind, say, thank you, God. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Uh, I don't feel like searching for the celebratory offering. So we're going to stand up and do our prayer for protection. Um, and then, oh, no, no, we got a birthday. Who had to, oh, we know Carl has a birthday in January. Who else? So y'all sit back down, sit back down. And whoever has a birthday in January, you stand up. Yeah. Let's sing. Let's sing happy birthday real quick. Together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. You are wonderful. I'm just kidding. Happy birthday to you. And if there are any, and if there are any anniversaries in January, happy anniversary as well. Now we can stand up and do our prayer for protection. I wasn't going to forget y'all. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so we're coming from this heart. We're coming from this space. We've let go of everything that no longer serves us. And we're going to move into our prayer for protection. Together. The, what, what am I missing? The light. Oh, no, he was, oh, he was telling me to wait. Okay, together, the light of God surrounds us, the love of God enfolds us, the power of God protects us, the presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. Now we'll do our peace song.
listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page, unityfh.com donate.